Hey, Howard Hings, this is Mark here, and welcome back to the Clockwork Junkie podcast, uh, episode 179. Thank you for tuning in. You're more than welcome, as always. Please subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already, and like and share this podcast. Um, big show today. I have a lot of things to discuss. Um, I'm going to be, a lot of people know my guest today was supposed to be Joe Ward. He was, is in New York City, Um, he was to be fighting this Saturday night, Um on the Jake Paul undercard in Madison Square Garden. That fight was called off. Um, I'm going to discuss why it was called off. I have the response that Jake Paul gave and then the response that Hasim Rachman Jr. gave. A lot of people might remember him. His father was a former heavyweight champion of the world, beating Lennox Lewis. Um, I'm going to be discussing what both people said, why it's called off and what I think. I also have some footage of... um. Will Smith has finally come out and apologized for slapping Chris Rock at the Oscars. It's an apology. I'd be interested to hear what everyone thinks. I have an opinion on it. Um, I want to play some of that footage and tell you what I think. Um, I watched the Lionesses win Euro 2022, the Women's uh, European Championships, and it looks like women are taking over the world of sport, and I want to discuss why I think that's a good thing. Um, this Friday the Premier League starts. I'm absolutely over the moon. Um, I'm going to tell you how you can get involved in the Clockwork Junkie podcast, Fancy Football uh, League. It's absolutely free. It's only a bit of fun, but I'll give you the details how to do that. I've also left two social media platforms. I'll tell you the reason why and where you can find the podcast. And as of from this podcast, Clockwork Junkie podcast business is ready to go live. You can come on the podcast and promote your business. I have a clip of what that'll look like, and I will give you all the details here on the show today. So let's get started. A lot of people know for it's over two years now I've been doing this podcast. I started from scratch from the beginning, talking on an app called Anchor. Um, there was no videos on YouTube and there was hardly anybody listening. But now it seems to have brought it up to a certain level of popularity and it's doing really well. And I am very proud of myself. I love meeting new people and talking to new guests and finding out stuff and just having a chat and making interesting conversations for other people to listen to. And that's what I like to do. Um. I like sitting down with a cup of tea, normally watching a podcast. I like watching it on YouTube, um, but sometimes I do listen on Spotify um, and Apple, maybe if I'm going for a walk or if I'm in the gym or whatever. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, this podcast is available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, everywhere else. Um, if you're watching, I suppose, always know you can have a listen to the next one when you're out doing your training or whatever. Or if you're out walking out and you come across this podcast, there's a link to the YouTube channel in there. You can see me and the guests and everything else as we're talking. Um, during that two years, on plenty of occasions, I brought on people to discuss their business. So, what do you do? Um, how did you start it? Um, what's your plans for the future? And to every man and woman, they've practically all said the same thing that they've gotten business from it, that their business sales went up. And I thought, 
wouldn't it be interesting that uh, this platform that I've built, if I could make a business out of that and promoting other people and bringing them on for a talk. And if you're listening to this podcast a lot, you know that, you know, it's not very formal, I suppose. It's um more of a chat, more of a laugh, Um, but you still want to get the right information and all of the information out there. So rather than get a nine to five, um, as I've been doing maybe 30, 35, sometimes 40, 45 hours a week, trying to create this podcast and grow it for nothing for the last two and a half years um, by choice. And I enjoy doing it, but um, I'm going to bring on business people to have a talk, small business people. Um, you know, you could be a sole trader or a small little business with three or four employees, bring you on for a conversation. Um, essentially, it's to promote your business. It's to talk about, you know, where are you? What do you do? How did you start? Do you have any deals on? Um, what do people not know about your business or what you do that maybe they should know? Um, while we're doing it, then we'll have your logo um, up on the screen. We'll also have a phone number and in the description of the podcast, your email address, your website, if you have one. Maybe you do all your business on Twitter. We put that up there. It could be Facebook, could be Instagram. But all these things can be discussed between me and you. And that's the way I'll be doing it. So I, I, I believe I mentioned this on the last podcast, but if I didn't, I'll just say it again. Um, these podcasts, this isn't a, a new thing the Clockwork Junkie podcast is doing. It's <clears throat> I'm still doing my normal podcast, like with a guest or solo. That'll be, I'll be doing that until I'm 105, if I live to be that age, because I enjoy doing it. The business podcast to help people promote their business, I call it Stronger Together, the people behind the logos. That will be an additional podcast every week or maybe two a week or one every two weeks. So it depends how many people come and come on the show. Um, I have a clip coming up in a minute, but I will just say there, there's three ways, essentially. It's really, really easy. One way is you come on for maybe 30 to 60 minutes. It's all about you. We discuss your business, what you do, how you started, have your logo and everything else up there, the numbers, how to contact you, um, and we have a good deep conversation. That's one way. The second way is, it's for 10 or 15 minutes. I might record with you during the day, maybe someone else in the evening and someone else the following morning, put them all together into one podcast and release it that evening. So that'll be a shorter kind of a segment. And the third way then is you don't come on at all. You say, look, can you mention me at the start of a podcast? Um, this is what I would like you to say, or we collaborate and come up with the best thing to say. So there are the three ways you can do it. Um, the way it works to come on the show, if anyone doesn't know, I suppose, like I assume everyone knows because I do it, but it's not the case, is... Um, I just send you a Zoom link and you just come on and we could talk for about, if, it's, if you're coming on for 10 or 15 minutes, we talk for about 30 minutes and I'd edit it down to the best 10 or 15 minutes to bring you across in the best light and get all your information out there. Um, I've done loads of them so far and pretty good at it. Um, and it's a, uh, it's very, very, it's very, very easy to do. A lot of people are nervous when they come on or they kind of, you know, what would happen if my dog barks or what happens if the postman comes with a parcel? Well, that would be edited out. That's no problem. That's um, that's easy. Like, you don't worry about that. I worry about that. Um, But you can email clockworkjunkiepodcast at gmail.com. I was speaking to a couple of people who were involved in something similar to this and my price list for those three things that I mentioned they reckon are at least 50% too low compared to what they should be. But I'm going to keep them at those prices at a stationary price from now till the end of the year. Um, that'll encourage more people to come on and then I think it will share itself. So I'll have my normal podcast as I do it and then I'll have a business podcast as well. Um, so get in contact now. But just incidentally, this is what it'll look like. Here's a clip of a few that I've done 
Um, it's it's a short clip. It's just people talking about their business, and you get a look at what it looks like with the logo and the number and bits and bobs like that. So I'm gonna roll that for you now. I don't know. Like I thought, I always had to be in the salon and always needed to be here and be behind the chair. It wasn't gonna work. And at the time, I thought that's the way it had to be done. But like you learn to be able to step away as well to do your training and leave your team here to run the place. You've good like, staff, so yeah, like that's good staff. You need good staff, people you can trust. Yeah, I hope other people take a page out of that book whereby if you're getting good staff, you don't have to micromanage everything. It's um, there's a people a lot older than you that don't know that yet, you know. Yeah, you learn that pretty quick, like either that or you're just going to burn out and it's not going to work. Chapter, I'm a quite open person, you know, so I think that kind of lets people at ease with me and. Um, I have very good suggestions when it comes to if they want me to do something and I don't really think that it's going to look well, I suggest something and nine times out of ten, then I get that, you know, no better at all, you know. And that, that's so, very good for people who um, hire you because because you're so open and down to earth, they can feel it's easy to communicate with you and they can tell you what they want and open up. And then, as you said, you give them good ideas. And so you've been not nominated once, you've been nominated twice for the Midlands 103 Customer Service Awards. So first of all, congratulations. And Thank you. How did you find out about that or how did it happen? Um, I got a phone call last Friday and then I had to keep it to myself till yesterday till I got the <laughs> <an> email. <laughs> like uh, you're told you're going to win an Oscar, you can't say it to anybody yeah. else. Uh, see, I, no, I didn't tell the family, but I wasn't sure. I thought she said I, I had two nominations, but I wasn't 100% sure. So I didn't want to say I got two until I got the official email. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot of work that goes on in the background that I don't think people realise. So a lot of feeding, some dogs are on medication, and a lot of cleaning. And then a lot of getting to know the dog. So we have like seven play areas and the whole aim of the play areas and the whole aim of the kennels is to make sure that the dogs are outside as often as possible. We don't want them to be locked up. We don't want them to be caged. We want it to be a home away from home. A recovery group. And it would be a kind of a case that um, I suppose you'd have a few people who might be kind of maybe coming out of the hospital, maybe, or maybe just feeling low themselves or feeling a little bit rudderless at this moment in time um, and looking for somewhere to go. So what we do is a kind of a, it's very much based like in what we would call the recovery model. And that can be a little bit jargony for some people, but it is what it sounds like. I mean, if somebody gets injured, they have to recover. They might spend some of their time in hospital, but then afterwards, you know, they're home, they're still recovering. So again, it's the same kind of thing with mental health. So what we do is we provide an outlet for people yeah, so that's the video. That's the way it's going to look. It'll be something similar to that. Um, you can email me, clockworkjunkiepodcast at gmail.com. DM me on Instagram, message me on Facebook. I'm ready to go live on that this minute in time. It will never be cheaper as it is now. Get in contact, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you 100%. Um, next on the list then is Fight Night. So the fights are called off. Um, the main event was Jake Paul versus Hassan Rackman Jr., Hassan Jr. didn't make the weight. Um, there was a weight agreed and he didn't make it. So essentially he was being called off and all of the fighters aren't fighting now and the whole thing is called off. You know with boxing that what might happen now is as I'm recording this, maybe it's put back on. But as I speak now, it's called off. The whole thing is done and dusted. And the last I heard was they were giving tickets back, refunds. So as far as I know, it's off. So what did Jake say about this? What did Hassan say about this. I'm going to play both clips now. You can get a listen to what both guys said and then I'll give my opinion on it as well. 
Alrighty, folks, emergency press conference. You may have seen the news. Hasim Rockman Jr. has pulled out of the fight. This is not a joke. I am devastated. I cannot fucking believe this. We just found out this news. And this is just another case of a professional boxer, just like Tommy Fury, being scared to fight me. It's as clear as day that these guys have been so unprofessional to work with, looking for any excuse to suck more money out of this event, to, to coerce us into doing things. And from the jump, I knew in the bottom of my heart that this guy didn't want to get into the ring with me. It's as clear as day. Here's what happened. Long story short. So he signed a contract to fight me at 200 pounds and was going to cut the weight down to 200 pounds. This is not a big cut for him, right? He's a big guy with a ton of weight to lose. So he sent a video into the commission the first time he weighed in at 216 pounds. The commission wanted to track his weight cut to make sure he was doing it in a healthy way. Three weeks later, the commission asked him for an update on his weight. He sends a video weighing 215 pounds, meaning in three weeks, he only lost one pound. So the commission was like, hey, man, you're not cutting the weight properly. We don't want you to lose it all in the last day. We're going to have to change this fight to 205 pounds. My team calls me up. They're like, hey, man, do you want to change their, they want to change the weight to 205 pounds. That's a big difference. You normally fight at 190 pounds. Do you want to do the fight still? I said, no problem. Let's do it. 205 pounds. He's gonna have. He already has a weight advantage, height advantage, reach advantage, all of these things. But whatever. I know I can still beat his ass at 205 pounds. And that was that. We move forward. And then today, out of nowhere, his team calls and says, Hasim's not going lower than 215 pounds. If the fight's not at 215 pounds, then we're pulling out. My manager goes, fuck you guys. You're not in control of this. We already agreed to five more pounds. He is a big guy, losing 10 pounds. Everyone knows in the sport of boxing that is an easy weight cut. People do that. UFC champions cut 25 pounds overnight to make weight. A 10-pound weight cut for a heavyweight is nothing. This is clearly an excuse. So they say, okay, the fight's not at 215. We're out. The biggest payday of his life times 10, and he's fumbling it. For what? Because he knows he's going to get knocked out by me. The pressure starts to set in. And it's exactly what happens with all of these guys. Same shit with Tommy Fury. I'm sick of it. I'm devastated. I apologize to everyone on the undercard. Amanda Serrano, I know you were working hard. Ashton Silva, I know you were working hard. This is absurd. There's nothing I can do about it. I apologize to the fans. And uh, I'll be back at some point. Let me go ahead and kill all this internet cat Jake Paul got going on for y'all. Look. Uh, I'm a bridge away. Uh, I campaign at bridge away, uh, or otherwise known as heavyweight uh, outside of WBC. Now look, um, I, I signed a contract to make 200 pounds within the, the three or three and a half weeks that I had to do it, but I couldn't do it. I said my body simply would not let me do it, would not let me get down to 200 pounds. But where in boxing do y'all see them canceling fights a whole week in advance? I didn't even get my last week to get down as low as I could. Um, I told this man, is, is penalties involved? Keep the purse. Keep the purse. I fight you for the, for the $5,000 minimum. That's how, that's how much it means to me, and that's how much faith I have in knocking him out. I would have beat this man uh, uh, with, with, with one hand, just like I did in the gym. But let him tell it, he already beat my ass in the gym when I was 230. So if you beat me up while I was 230... What's the problem in fighting me while I'm 215? What's the problem fighting me at 210? It's, it's, it's clearly a, a, a 
them not wanting to fight. It's not me pulling out the fight. It's them not wanting to fight. I never said that I didn't want this fight. And, and the only thing that I can conclude is that they scared. I mean, they tried to drain me down. I told them, I, look, I ain't going to be able to get all the way down to cruiserweight. I mean, it, it was it was a, a astronomical feat in and of itself from the beginning. From the beginning, when they called me to spar him for, for Anderson Silva, I told them what my weight was. They knew what my weight was, and they knew I was going to have to lose about a pound a day for 30 days in order to make 200 pounds. Now, with all that aside, still, if I wasn't able to make the weight, they knew that we had a replacement on the side the whole time. He's been doing everything I've been doing this whole camp. The Muslim boxer, Muslim Casey, who campaigns at Cruiserweight, who wouldn't have to have drained himself, who could have saved the show, and... Jake Paul could have fought a real boxer, but he don't want to fight a real fighter. He don't want to fight a real fight. He wanted to drain me down and, and, and fight a shell of me, which I'm not going to allow him to do. Now, they didn't, they didn't move the goalposts and uh, move the finish line closer and have me weigh in all these extra days early and, 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 and then pull a plug on the fight like, like we don't want to fight. My team's 100% still wanted to fight, still ready, willing, and, and, and able to, to knock out Jake Paul on August 6th. So y'all blame your boy Jake Paul for this fight not happening. It ain't had nothing to do with, 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 with me or my team. We let them know what the real was, and Jake Paul scared to, to, to make the fight. All he got to do is say, okay, I beat you up at 2.30, I beat you up at 2.15. I'm still coming down and wait. Or uh, I beat you up at 210. I'm still I'm still coming down the weight, but he don't want to do it because he don't want a real competitive fight. He wanted me to be a, a, a shell of myself when we got in there and got in that ring. I suppose the first thing people might think of that is if Jay Paul is so tough or as tough as he says or thinks he is, does it really matter what weight the other guy is? Um, and the answer is yes. Um I've done different combat sports down through my life. Um, I, I was bang average at them, to be honest. I, I, I was never much good. But I love watching combat sport, whether it be UFC, whether it be boxing. Um, I've been a fan all of my life. Um, even when I was younger, I used to watch old tapes of Ali fighting Ken Norton and Joe Frazier and all those great fighters from the uh, 60s and 70s. Um, weight makes a big difference. If there was two guys, for example, and both of them were 10 stone, and they were equally matched, same kind of jab, same speed, same head movement, same engine as in cardio, um, same kind of hook, they might fight. It'd be 50-50 who's going to win. But if those two same fighters fought and they were just as good as each other again, and one of them was 10 stone and the other guy was 12 stone, well, a 12 stone guy would win 99 times out of 100 for a couple of reasons. One is they can take a punch. They can take more punishment without falling down. Their chin wouldn't be as glass chin as they call it they're able to take more of an impact they wouldn't get their shaky legs but equally important or maybe more important they could hit harder so a 10 stone man throws a punch and he hits you you feel it a 12 stone man you feel it that bit more um so i think jake is right to pull out of this fight um he's so big because he's a youtube star um and because he makes a lot of noise but what he does is is what boxing always tries to do, which is he, he brings in money. So love him or hate him, it brings in money. And it would have been great for Amanda to fight under his, um, in his undercard because there would be nothing but eyes on her. Now, for anyone who doesn't know Amanda Serrano, 
she lost her last fight against our own Katie Taylor. <clears throat> um, but it would have been great for Joe Ward as well to fight in that undercard. Um, would have got beaten an awful lot of eyes on him, and if if, if they performed well, it would elevate them to the next level. So that's what he does, but he still only has five fights. So if there was a guy who wasn't as popular, who only had five fights, and the fight was pulled because somebody couldn't make weight, there wouldn't be a word about it. It's just that everyone's involved. But the alternative is he goes in and he fights a guy that's maybe 30 pounds heavier than, than him. He gets knocked out and everyone, oh, you're useless. And then he won't be able to make any money for the next couple of fights, um, and nor will any of the other people who are on his undercards. So I think that he was right to pull out. With Hassim Brackman Jr., I don't know why he took the fight if he wasn't going to make weight. I don't know whether there's a bit of gamesmanship. Um, like, at one point, he lost one pound in three weeks. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. Like, boxers can lose an awful lot of weight very, very quickly. To lose one pound in three weeks shows that he wasn't trying. It shows that he wanted to come in much heavier um, than was signed upon and agreed upon. So look, it's it's a sad day for all the people. Like, I had questions for Joe, like how did training camp go? How did your sparring go? Um, all these fighters have teams out with them. It's it's not just the fights called off at a YouTuber. Nobody cares. Hundreds of people care because it's their livelihood. They're involved in it. So it's 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 a terrible thing to happen. But I probably would have done it as well. Maybe. Um, just I suppose on a side note. Um. I, I was texting Joe yesterday and he is going to come on at some stage, uh, maybe in the near future. Um, but rather than a conversation of what's fight week like, tell us, bring us through the days, you know, just days before leading up to the fight, bring, bring us through what that's like and what happens and just kind of a fly on the wall from the horse's mouth, if you like. Um, now it'll be what's his thoughts on the fights being called off. Um, yeah, so look, I'll, I'll put up... Um, just follow me on social media, maybe Facebook or Instagram, and I'll put up a post when that podcast is happening. But look, we've lots to get through today, so I'm going to move on. A lot of people remember that uh, when Chris Rock was hosting the Oscars, he made a joke about Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, about her head being bald. He mentioned about um, was she going to star in G.I. Jane 2, which was a drawback to G.I. Jane, the star Demi Moore, or Demi Moore, I'm not sure how to pronounce her name, and she had a shave her head for the role. Um, Jada Pinkett Smith has alopecia and she rolled her eyes and Will Smith got up and he smacked Chris Rock. No word from Will Smith for about three months. Um, and then he came out with an apology. So I'm going to play the apology now. I, I, I have two opinions on it and leave a comment in, you know, in this video. What do you think? But I, look, I'll let you listen to the clip. Then I'll tell you what I think. Um, and see, do you agree? Why didn't you apologize to Chris in your acceptance speech? Um, I was fogged out by that point. It's, 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 it's all fuzzy. I've reached out to Chris, um, and the, mes the message that came back is that uh, he's not ready to talk, and when he is, he will reach out um so i will i will say to you um chris i apologize to you uh, my behavior was unacceptable and i'm here whenever you're ready to talk um 
I, I want to apologize to Chris's mother. I saw an interview that Chris's mother did. And, you know, that was one of the things about that moment. I just didn't realize and, you know, I wasn't thinking, but how many people got hurt in that moment. So I want to uh, apologize to Chris's mother. I want to apologize to uh, Chris's family, uh, specifically Tony Rock. You know, we had a great relationship. You know, Tony Rock was my man. Um, and uh, this, this is this is probably irreparable. Um, I spent the last three months um, replaying and understanding the nuances and and the complexities of what happened in in that moment. Um, and I'm not going to try to unpack all of that right now, but I can say to all of you, there is no part of me that thinks that was the right way to behave in that moment. There's no part of me that thinks that's the optimal way to handle a feeling of disrespect or, or insults. After Jada rolled her eyes, did she tell you to do something? No. Um, it's like, you know, I'm, I made a choice on my own from my own experiences, from my history with Chris, Jada had nothing to do with it. Uh, I'm sorry, babe. Um, I'm going to say sorry to my, my kids and, and my family for the heat that I brought on all of us. Um, to all my fellow nominees, you know, this is a community. It's like I won because you you voted for me. And it, it, it really breaks my heart to have stolen and and tarnished, tarnished your moment. Um, I can still see Quest Love's eyes. You know, it, it happened on Quest Love's uh, award. And, you know, it's like I'm I'm. I'm sorry really isn't sufficient. What would you say to the people who looked up to you before the slap or people who expressed that you let them down? Um, so there's two things. One, um, disappointing people is my central trauma. Um, I hate when... I let people down. Um, so it, it hurts. Uh, it hurts me psychologically and emotionally to know I didn't live up to uh, people's image and impression of me. And the work I'm trying to do is I am deeply remorseful and I'm trying to be remorseful without being ashamed of myself, right? I'm human and I made a mistake and I'm trying not to think of myself as a piece of shit. Um, so I would say to those people, I know 
It was confusing. I know it was shocking. Um, but I, I promise you, I am uh, deeply devoted and committed to putting light and love and joy into the world. And, you know, if you, if you hang on, I promise we'll be able to be friends again. So my two opinions on that is opinion number one is the following is that he shouldn't have done it. It was wrong. Um, I thought it was a ridiculous thing to do. It's I thought he overreacted completely. I don't think it was that bad of a joke. Now, people who suffer from that condition might say it was that bad of a joke. But compared to other stuff that he said that night, or indeed stuff that was said previously, like if Ricky Gervais was doing that, he would have been shot with the things that he says. I don't think it warranted Will Smith getting up and slapping him. I don't think, like, picture whoever was getting the award afterwards. He mentioned him there, and they, I just can't remember offhand, but it ruined the whole night for everybody, and it made him look bad, and it was a bad thing for society to see. So, look, I think it was wrong. Now, I, I will also say this uh, for truth, transparency. I'd be a Will Smith fan, so I was back in the day uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I liked a couple of his songs um, with Will Smith with DJ Jazzy Jeff. A lot of people smiling now and going back to the old days of the discos and the nightclubs. But, um, you know, a couple of average films, a couple of very, very good movies. I enjoyed Independence Day. Um, obviously, Bad Guy or Bad Boys, I enjoyed them. I Am Legend was a brilliant movie. Um, Seven Pounds was fantastic. The Pursuit of Happiness, that was based on a true story, is in my top 20 movies of all time. So, I am a fan prior to all of this, but I had noticed maybe in the last 10 years that he seemed to start to have delusions of grandeur. He seemed to, when you see him in an interview, he was just talking like the whole world revolved around him. And the wife didn't seem much better. Now, I know everyone's world revolves around them because it's their lives, but it was just like um, they were seeing everything with rose-tinted glasses. I felt this is before the slap. Um, and I remember when Independence Day 2 came out and he wasn't in it. I actually wasn't that worried. I said, oh, it doesn't really matter. I, I felt that I wasn't as much of a fan of him as I once was. Not because his movies had changed. Just anytime I've seen him talking, I, I just felt it, it seemed disingenuous, is what I'm saying. But then he went up and he slaps Chris Rock. I was surprised, but I can't say I was stunned. If it was 10 years ago, I would have been absolutely stunned because it would be... Like, I, I would have thought, well, look, he needs to check his mental health, make sure he's okay. Um, So I have to preface it by saying that, and I do think it's wrong. And some people might say, well, you shouldn't have done that. That's there forever in the history of time. And um, what about Chris Rock's family? And the greater message it sends out to society. And I agree with all that. But the other thing I think is he said sorry. So... Like, is that not what we want people to do? Um, so I listened to that apology and I said, I'm going to put that on the podcast. So then I wanted to put the Clockwork Junkie logo around it, like you've seen there, if you're watching on YouTube. And um, so I listened to it for a second time, but I listened to it with fresh ears, non-judgmental ears, and he apologized. And it, it, it reminded me of something. So in 2008, Kevin Hart, who was one of my favorite comedians, was asked to do the Oscars in the following year, in 2019, and he said that he would. But before the Oscars came up, it was brought to the Academy's attention that he made a 
homophobic remark 10 years ago, which was a tweet about something that his son had, his son had done, I believe. I might have this slightly wrong. I could be fucking this up, but I, I think I'm right. Something his son had done, and he said, I hope my son is not gay. So a few people in the comments said, well, look, that's hurtful to, um, it's, it's very hom- homophobic. And he said, okay, I get that. He said, I'll take it down, but I also want to write up an apology to say that I'm sorry. And most importantly, I won't do it again. But you didn't. Now, I thought that's what we want the people to do. So if you make, like, we're human, so we're going to make mistakes. I've made loads of mistakes and done loads of things wrong in my life. Maybe half a, half a dozen times I've done things that are nearly, you know, uncombatable for, I would think, you know, from, from the morals that I had then and had now. But everybody fucks up. Um, it's, it's what you do afterwards. Like an apology doesn't mean much if you do the things again. So if, if Kevin Hart had apologized and then twice a year for the last 10 years, I put up homophobic remarks. Well, then the apology means nothing. But he apologized, said he was wrong. It was uh, misjudged. And then he said he wouldn't do it again. And he didn't. So I think that's what we want. We People will make mistakes. End of story. You you and me included. Uh, I always say that the biggest fuck up that you're ever going to do, you haven't done it yet. Um, so if, if somebody can think about what they've done wrong and reflect and think, look, I probably shouldn't have done that and then apologize. That's what we want. So the Academy got word of um, Kevin Hart's uh, what happened 10 years prior and said, well, look, you'll have to apologize again and say that you're not homophobic and that it was a you made a mistake and you shouldn't have done it. And Kevin Hart said, no. He said, I'm not apologizing again. I've already apologized 10 years ago. They said, well, we don't think because of the woke culture, that's what they call it now, the woke culture. And like, it's even more vibrant now than it was 10 years ago. Um, he said, you'd probably have to apologize again. And he said, no. And they said, well, if you don't apologize, you can't do the Oscars. And he said, okay. And then he didn't do the Oscars. But that's what we want from someone. To make a mistake, it's not that we want people to make a mistake. Until the end of time, people will be making mistakes. But surely if someone makes a mistake and goes, okay, I realize I made a mistake. I shouldn't have done it. I know that I shouldn't have done it. And I am sorry. And I won't do it again. And most importantly, doesn't do it again. Surely that's good enough. Surely that's what we want. We want learn people to learn and to grow. So I was thinking of this in the back of my mind as the Will Smith thing was as I was editing it for this uh, podcast. And I thought, we can only look back on the apology in five years' time and see, well, has he done anything else? Like, I think he won't do I think it was, I, I don't know why he done it, to be honest. I, I don't know why he done it. I don't know why anyone would do it. But look, he has come out and apologized. And I think that if someone makes, now obviously if you murder somebody you can't on a Monday, you can't come out on a Tuesday and say, my bad, sorry. Of course that doesn't work. Of course not. But for something like this, look, I fucked up. You know, Kevin Hart done something that he thought was wrong. He said it was wrong and he hasn't done it again. He still couldn't do the Oscars 10 years later, which is uh, uh, a terrible indictment in society as far as I'm concerned. Will Smith done something slightly different. He slapped another guy and he shouldn't have done it live. It was probably over a billion people watching the Oscars, I'm sure. Um, And it went viral all around the world and it's terrible for Chris and his family and everything else. But, I mean... People say like like I read some comments saying like it's 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 uncombatable like the the dilemma like should we should we take his apology 
or should we not take his apology? The dilemma is unbelievable. The dilemma is not unbelievable. Stop talking to your whole. I'll tell you a dilemma that's unbelievable. So the people who were on the World Trade Center on 9-11 and when their office was on fire and there were whatever, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 stories up and the fire was licking their back and burning their clothes and their skin was fusing and then they jumped thinking that jumping from the building was a better idea than getting burnt. That's an uncombackable dilemma. So I think people should not be losing their own themselves. The man apologised. As far as I'm concerned, that's good enough for me. Interesting to hear what you think. Uh, leave a comment and let me know. Um, don't be rude. Don't be writing that and shit. I'll just delete it. Leave a nice comment. See what you think. If somebody makes a mistake and apologise and then don't do it again, surely as a society, as a people, with your friends, with your family, with your extended circle of people, of you know, that's all you can ask for. Obviously, you can ask that they don't make the mistake in the first place. That isn't going to happen. I know you know that. I know that. Everyone knows that. It will never be the case. People will always make mistakes. It's what to do afterwards. So, look, that's my thoughts on it. Let me know what you think. So, moving swiftly on. I've left two um, social medias. I, I was on all the social media platforms nearly. I've left Twitter and I've left TikTok. I'll talk about TikTok first. TikTok was, I, I don't know, 2,000 followers, whatever it was. Um, If I put in hashtag clockwork junkie, there was over 30,000 hashtags. It was going well. It was like um free promotion for me, if you like, and for the podcast. But there's too many people up there shaking. Like someone, you know, just you, you flick through TikTok and there's a girl standing there and the music's on. Boom, the boom, boom. And just moving her hips. Stop doing that. That's so silly. What are you doing? And then you all, all draw like that. And then every second person is doing something similar. Or they're bending over a thing with their fucking lips of their vagina showing at the top of their dress. Stop doing that. Like they're doing like that's all day, every day. Do you know, society's gone fucking mad. So that was one of the things that bothered me. But also, I've read a couple of reports recently, and I'm not going to unpack all this here. You can check it out yourself. The amount of information that TikTok takes from your phone and everything else is just fucking crazy. So no. At the moment, just so you know, all my stuff is still up there. Um, I tried to take it down, but of course, look, I forgot my password. So I'll have to work out how to get that back and then delete it. But they're up there now, but I will be deleting my account altogether very soon. And I, I will not be posting on there again at all whatsoever. So if you do follow me there, you can unfollow me because I'm going to be gone. I also left Twitter. I didn't really bother with Twitter anyways, as most you know. I think I followed like maybe 20 people and there's only like 300 following the podcast. I just posted a clip of what was coming out. And uh, Twitter is one of the most vilest fucking things I've ever seen in my life. It's whinging, whinging, whinging about everything. Everything is bad news. Um, it's full of lonely people who just want to be involved in a community, in a gang. And they'll jump on fucking anything just to be, oh, look at all of us. And and it, it's it's not slagging, it's not <clears throat> banter, it's fucking hatred. I seen recently a woman who on Twitter, I won't mention any names, who came out and was talking about um you know, about a, a sexual assault that happened, and people were slagging her and putting her down. And so no, it's not for me. Um my stuff is still up there on Twitter. But my last post on both Twitter and TikTok is me saying this is my last post. So I don't know whether I close my Twitter account. Maybe I will. Um, but I, I won't be posting there again. 
Um, but I am on Facebook. I have my Mark McCormick, my own personal page. There's like, I don't know, 4,000 people following that, and maybe 1,500 following on Facebook, the Clockwork Junkie Facebook page. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, and I post there maybe once or twice a week, and then I'm on uh, Snapchat. And on Snapchat, I post podcast out today and what's out next week and stuff like that. So there's loads of ways to keep up. Instagram's probably the big one. There's 17,500 people following in the podcast on Instagram. And I do a lot of stuff there. And that's a good place to get me. Um, so look, that's it. If you don't find me on those on Twitter and TikTok, that's the reason why. I'm not telling you, you have to do the same. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do, as I did. So women's sport, the women's finals for the Euros was on last night. I watched it. It was England against Germany. England were the host of it, or maybe it was the UK. I think it was England. Just And the final was in Wembley. There was like 89,000 plus. Uh, and it was fantastic. It was a fantastic achievement um, for the English team. But it was fantastic more so for the whole tournament. So I follow... Football, I support Manchester United, I watch the Premier League, but I, I watch matches in La Liga and the Bundesliga and Serie A and the Eredivisie and I, I, I watch a game here and there. Um, You know, there was talk for ages about getting involved in the women's football and having a look at it. And I, I watched games in the past and they were saying like, we should get the same as men and, and, and 40,000 people should come out and watch us the same as men. They shouldn't have because you were fucking terrible. The ball was hitting the back of your head and going into the goal. You were trying to kick the ball. You were slipping over. You were taking a shot on the goal. It was going out for a throw. Now, that happens in the men's game as well. But it's happening fucking all the time in the women's game. That is not the case now. The standard of women's football is fucking incredible. I watched loads of games in the Euros in the evening times. The, the tactics, the changing of formation, the awareness, the crossing, the running off the ball. It's absolutely fantastic. It's it has went from being bang average to being such an enjoyable thing to watch. Um, I I watched some of the women's Premier League last year just to have a look at it. I've seen, obviously, I support United. I watched a few games there, Man City, Chelsea. Um, the standard is unbelievable. And they are doing fucking, like they're dragging trees out of the ground. They went from so low down the pecking order. Just like there was 89,000 at that last night. It's absolutely incredible. I know... Um, Alex Scott was talking on BBC and she mentioned that um, in 2008 they were going around to English grounds trying to ask them would they hold a women's game and none of them would because it said no one would go for it and there was almost 90,000 at the game last night so it goes to show you how fast things change um, and, I, and I know you think someone could say well of course a women's team won the women's yard there was only women in it Um. So that doesn't mean that they're good. No, it doesn't. But the style of play, the way they play, the fast movement off the ball, their competitiveness, the the the, the strength and athleticism is... I knew last season, that, or even two seasons ago, it had changed. I knew last season from watching some of the female Premier League games that it was a different standard. But I just didn't realise how good it was. And it got me thinking then about other people in sport. Look what Katie Taylor's doing. Incredible, like absolutely incredible. She's one of the best pound for pound female boxers of all time. Not even now, of all time. Her last fight was against um, Amanda Serona. I, I, I was not sure if I'm pronouncing Serona right, but incidentally, she was on the undercard with Joe Ward with the Jake Paul fight as well that was called off. But um, like those two might fight again later this year or next year in Crow Park. Like they'll get millions for it. 
like a boxing match between two women will be a main event in a packed out stadium and the girls will earn millions from it. Like I think in, in 15, 20, 30 years when they're making documentaries, they'll be talking about the women in these times and the women that came before them of how they, they built up the different sports. And I want to, so the, the UFC was on on Saturday night, but I, I taped it was on too late. I watched it Sunday morning. The main event was um, uh, Juliana Pena against um, Amanda Nunes. Amanda Nunes had lost the last fight and, you know, she was on beaten for ages before that, beating Ronda Rousey and Holly Holm and all of those. It was a fantastic fight. Um, both of them were battered and bloodied, but the techniques they were using, trying to get each other in triangles and taking punches and coming back, and it was the main event, and it was as good as a fight as you'd see, male or female. You know, Ronda Rousey said before, and I mentioned it in the podcast maybe a couple of months back, they were asking her that um, when when she was earning a million or more per fight, they were saying, they, they asked her, should all women be earning a million or more per fight like you? She said, no, it doesn't matter whether you're male or female. It's how much pay-per-view tickets you can sell. That's your worth. So if you're winning loads of fights and doing it well and you're an athlete and your athleticism is through the roof and people come and see you and then they get pay-per-views and they buy tickets to see you and that's what you're worth. And she's right. And the women in all sports are doing that now. Um, Like, like that fight in the UFC... Um. Pena versus uh, Nunes too it was like that was my favorite fight of the year so far, and we're in August and I've seen loads of other good fights. It was just so tactically fantastic. It was like a battle of wills. It was, it wasn't two women have it was two warriors having a fight and none of them would quit. It was just amazing. Um, I watch the WWE. A lot of people don't like. Oh, you're watching that? It's fake. Shut the fuck up. We know it's fake. Jesus Christ. But I started watching it about six months before WrestleMania 3. I remember it was Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. And, you know, little did you know, like some years later, a main event would be of WrestleMania would be three women uh, Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch from Ireland, and Charlotte Flair, Ric Flair's daughter. They've come so far in that. And I remember watching it years ago. The women, like you had your Trish Stratuses and your Elitas and all of those. And they could wrestle, but they used to have bra and panties matches. And I remember when I started first, because I was like a young teenager, I thought, oh, this is fantastic. I might see a beautiful woman in underwear. Like almost within a, a year's time, like I was still a teenager thinking, this is bullshit. You're able to wrestle, let them wrestle. And it never happened. And I got a bit silly and, you know, but now and for the last couple of years, there's a generation coming through. Obviously, I appreciate standing on the shoulder of the giants that can be for them. Alundra Brez, um, Trish Stratus. Alita, all of them. Um, and they're fantastic. And it's not just WWE, they have them in AEW, TNA, Wild Women of Wrestling, uh, MLW, New Japan, Old Japan, they're everywhere. Um, and they're killing it. And their matches are just as good as the men. And I think it's a good thing. I, I think the more variety of sport that you have, it's fantastic. I think that there was a lot of complaining that women weren't getting the coverage that they needed when I think they didn't deserve it because they weren't good enough. But for the last while, they have been good enough and they're getting the attention. And I, I, I'll I, be honest, I think it's going to grow. I wouldn't be surprised in the very near future if the biggest fight in UFC ever, money-wise or pay-per-view-wise, might be a female fight, two women fighting. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Um, 
So I think they're doing fantastic. I think you should, if you don't get behind them, you definitely should do. Um, the football was surprising because I knew from last season they were much better, but I had no idea how good they were. I enjoyed that final last night immensely. Um, yesterday I enjoyed the UFC. It was unbelievable. And you can only look what her own Katie Taylor is doing and what she's going to be doing in the future. Um, she's going to be fighting in Croke Park, which is going to happen against Amanda, two of the best pound-for-pound pound fighters in the history of uh, women's combat. And look, more power to them. I am 100% behind them. Uh, fancy Football League. The Premier League is starting on Friday. Thank fuck. Like, without the women's Euros, I would have cracked up altogether. Um, and obviously, I watched a lot of United's uh, pre-season games on MUTV. It's back on Friday, so you probably won't see me again until next week. So now is the time to get in at the start for the Fancy Football. The code is, is uh, XPI4... ZW XPI 4ZW. I leave the fancy football link in the description. You can click on it and put in the code. I, I won't go into how to set it up, but just like having a time for doing that. But you'll, you'll work it out if you haven't done it already. If you're in loads of leagues already, come and join R1. I think I wanted to get 20 in it for a bit of crack. I think there's over 40 in it now, but be pointless join it in three or four weeks' time, maybe. You know, just join it at the start that you're in at, at the very beginning. Um Looking forward to the Premier League. I was hoping to get a Premier League podcast in before it started, but everyone's just busy, me included, and it's just so hard to get in at the right time. And, you know, what I will say is, I suppose, I think Manchester United aren't ready for the season, if I'm being honest. Um, we still have the same midfield as we had last year. Um, we got rid of Matic and Pogba. Don't get me wrong, I wanted them to go, but we need to add one at least, but probably two midfielders and we're short in attack as well. I think City might win it. I know um, over the weekend, Liverpool beat City in the Community Shield and deservedly so in my opinion. But I think City might win it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Spurs are looking well. Um, I, I will definitely try to get some football podcasts in as the season goes on because I enjoy doing them and they're a bit of crack. Um, so yeah, definitely get involved in that if you can. So look, thanks for listening to the podcast. The business is starting as of from now. You can come on and promote your podcast or come on and promote your podcast. Come on and promote your business. You can come on for a full podcast on your own. You can come on for a 10 or 15 minute segment or you can just sponsor one of my normal podcasts. Three simple ways. Email clockworkjunkiepodcast at gmail.com. DM, Instagram, I'm on them all. Um, and just to reiterate, because I've been asked this so many times, no, I'm not changing the Clockwork Junkie podcast itself. It's still going to be out with my guests and myself, and we're all talking as normal. This is something extra that will come out. Um, so look, get involved 100%. Anything else? Yeah, don't forget to subscribe. Please hit the notification button, because as I said, there will be different ones coming out as we go along. And if you want to help the podcast, there is only literally one way to do it. It's through PayPal. You can make a one-time donation. It's paypal.me forward slash Clockwork Junkie, and the link is in the description. My name is Mark McCormack, and thank you for watching the Clockwork Junkie podcast.